And he started telling him the story, and the doctor said, I've never heard anything like this. And the doctor attended one, one night of services after that. Don't know what happened, because he was in and listened and left rather quickly. But the thing is, God miraculously replaced his heart. He said, a new spirit and a new heart I'll put within you. He's well able on these children that need hearts. He's well able to do that. He's well able to do that. He's the creator. There's all kinds of things, spare parts that he can scrape together and make whatever he wants to make. He's God. And you say, though, that's rather simplistic. Yeah, and so am I. I simply believe he's God and that he determines what he can do. I don't. I determine what I will believe he's able to do. You say, well, what if it don't work? Well, what if it does? That's the point. Uh, just encouraging you and praying like that. Man, God can not only heal, He can completely replace things. I'm asking Him to do that in my lower back and hips. You say, well, it's not working out very well. Not today. Who knows about tomorrow? He's God. He is God. Man, I, I wish I could emphasize that enough. I, I want to run through some things this morning um, and just in getting started. Um, we're talking about living by spirit, and I say by spirit, consciously leaving out thee, because I want to leave, I want to learn for me to live by spirit. My spirit so intertwined with his spirit that I realized that life flowed from that. As I was visiting with Betty this morning and she started talking about the different people that had come into her room and how she had been able to minister to them. And I sat there smiling because I was thinking, boy, these hospital workers ought to know that there is a target on them when they walk in that door. Because when they walk in, she's asking God, is there anything I can say to this person? <laughs> but she was talking about some people that had told her what a blessing she had been. And as she talked about it, her face began to glow. Her color began to improve. And I said, Betty, just stop a minute and look at what's happening here. You're speaking what God has done, and life is flowing to you, through you right now rather than the darkness that tries to overtake you from time to time. And she said, oh, I know it. I walked out of there blessed because I watched God touch someone that's going through some stuff. And did she walk out of their heel this morning? I don't know. She might have after I left, but at that moment she didn't. But she walked, I walked out of there knowing that the life of God was flowing through her. Now, I want to I go back a long time and just talk about the uh, development of, of church for a little bit. Um, right after the death of Jesus, the church of course started developing across the world and they got themselves in trouble because of some of the things they were saying. They were saying that we now serve the king in, a, in an atmosphere, political atmosphere, that Caesar wanted to say he was the king, he was the son of God, and they were saying, no, you crucified the son of God, but God wouldn't let him stay in the grave and he's now our king and our redeemer. Got them in trouble. They, they, a lot of them died. And, and there was several years, several decades of the church suffering because of the message. Now, back during the time, and I'm not trying to get this exactly chronological correct, but it'll be close. Back, back during the time of, uh, 
whichever one, can't think of it right now, but one of the one of the kings began to say, I don't really want the Christians to be persecuted like that because I believe Christ was real. But he began to ask the wrong questions. He began to say, can we bring together those that worship other deities and those that worship God so that we can get the pressure off the church? Now let me tell you something. The biggest mistake we can ever make is to make decisions to get the pressure off the church. Hmm. But they did that, and, and then it, it got this whole process going, and it went on until Martin Luther finally stood up and said, I don't believe all these rules and regulations is how we're saved. I believe we're saved by faith. Oversimplified, maybe, but it's kind of where it was. And started this whole process that we're into now, and the next thing you know, they're discovering water baptism again. They're discovering the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and on and on. But, you know, men have a... It seems like a, a fallen need to own something for themselves. We want to help God out. You know, he, he's got himself in this predicament. And if we'll just help him, we can get him out. So we, we had a movement that, that became known for years in a simple way as the revival movement. And we began to think... As, as, as the church across the United States in particular, that the goal of church is revival. Well, just think of this. Are you alive in God? You can only revive something that's dead. Now, just leave that there. Do with it what you want. <laughs> Out of the revival movement came the church growth movement. Because there were so many people that gathered to see the demonstrations of the revival movement, then leaders that, that didn't have that direct connection with God began to think that the crowds were the issue. And so they began to build all kinds of church technology around building crowds. Out of that came the... Oh, my goodness. It, the kind of charismatic slash prosperity movement that were doing everything they could to make, give us an appearance of acceptability. That If we called it charisma, rather than being baptized in the Holy Spirit and, 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 and being uh, empowered by God, if we would call it that and, and show people of the world that you can get rich serving God, if we can do that, we can keep the numbers. Right now, across the world, and I'm not talking about just this nation, I'm not talking about just this area, but right now across the world is many people that lead, and I'm not going to name names because I want these guys to continue as they are without, without people getting the wrong idea uh, because they're going in the right direction, but many megachurch movements, the primary leaders, and I'm not talking about one, I'm talking about their whole leadership crew, are sitting down and saying, you know, maybe it's not about the numbers after all. Maybe it's about people coming to know God themselves and in their own lives releasing something to the world. Maybe, come on, you've you got to forgive me if this offends you, but maybe it's not about the rapture of the church. Maybe it's about people 
being so full of God that everybody they touch knows that they've been in the presence of something. That song, His Glory is So Beautiful, we've made that. It started back in the revival movement. We, we made that into something that we look for out there somewhere that then manifests itself here that's glowing and shiny and, and just has a, a ooey-gooey feeling about it and on and on. And sorry, I don't know any other way to say it. I'm really trying not to be offensive this morning. But we've made that, that that glory is so beautiful. And probably 99.9% of church that sings that song thinking, oh, we're going to see that cloud. We're going we're gonna to see. No, his glory is his approval on men. That's so beautiful. That God would look at you with such approval that he would say, Trent, I'm going to fill you up with my presence. I'm going to show you that you're my son and that I love you and I'm going, to, I'm going to work through you to touch other people. His glory is so beautiful. It means that he's going to do it. I don't have to go through this long line of things that I have to adjust to so that, so that I finally think that I'm able. And this kind of thinking is now... It, it's amazing how quickly it's growing, but it's literally spreading across the world because people that have done all that other stuff and let it all come together have realized that that's not what it's about. It's about groups of people that come together to celebrate what God has done through the week through them and to learn more about how to go forth and do that and to learn to respond to something. And another thing that we've done, and we've done this now for... 65 or 70 years, we've tried to put the American education system in the church. And it's not that knowledge is bad. It's that when we think knowledge is discipleship, that's when it's bad. Because discipleship is following Jesus. Let me ask you something. Are you more disciple to a thought process, a denomination, or even to Paul? Are you more, more discipled by that? Do you come more under that discipline than you come under the discipline of being like Jesus? Because that's what he called us to do. He said, as my father called me, that's the same way I call you. <laughs> wow, that glory is beautiful. That glory is beautiful. That glory of the Christ looking at us and saying, I'm going to be the Christ through you. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live in you. I'm going to reach out from you. I'm going to touch the world through you. And we want to put it all in here. And if we don't see it happening here in the way that it happened in the past, we get upset and we want to go somewhere else. But let me, let me qualify that for just a couple minutes here. You want to know what His glory looks like? You want, you want to know what the manifestation of the Spirit looks like? Sometimes it looks like a Saturday where people just work their tail off downstairs because we want this thing to look like somebody loves it. And when we have guests come in from all over the nation and parts of the world, we want them to see the building and to know they're not going to glorify the building. They're going to see that there is a people here that's willing to put some, some elbow grease into this physical manifestation of God's church. That's what it looks like sometimes. Sometimes it looks like, I saw this the other day and I was thinking, man, this is the manifestation of the church. This is what it looks like. I went down to see Betty. Juanita was already there. As we stood there, as, as the church talking, Ellen came in. 
Chelsea and I had X amount of time, and we, we started leaving. As we left, Caleb and Polly were in the parking lot. And I told Chelsea, that's the church. That's what it's supposed to look like. That's what it is. It's not just this, although this is part of it. But what it is is people that will invest their time in something they believe in. Some people want a position before they ever invest the time. I'll tell you, that never works out well. Because if you haven't been dependable in just being here without recognition, why would I think you're going to be dependable to come here and to be here and to be dependent on to manifest the presence of God and then to lead people? Why, why would we ever think that? And here, you know, there, there's so much to it. If, if, if we, and I'm, I'm going to talk to this group this morning like I, like I talk to groups of leaders around the countryside. Why? Because it's important. And because what we have left here, there's been a shaking out here, and what we have left here is people with the possibilities of moving this thing ahead. And I'm not talking about numbers. I'm, yeah, it'll, it will involve numbers but that's not the issue the issue is has our city been touched by the presence of God through this house and until it is we're not successful now there's so much that we do here that we don't talk about very much this morning Chelsea and Leslie are over at Quincy why because Maria and Jermaine have gone six months with very very little time off her parents, her dad is, is not doing well. Leslie and Chelsea are over there covering that congregation so that Maria can go spend five days with her dad without feeling any problem with the church there. While when Leslie and Chelsea comes home, Steve Golden, Patsy Golden, uh, Bill, I forget Bill's last name, those guys that have already developed into leadership there will be covering and pastoring the people. Why? Because it's what relational churches should have been doing all along. It's what we should have been doing all along. There's several small churches around here that exist now because of the sacrifice we make here and the sacrifice, the sacrifice Life Church makes, the sacrifice Waverly makes, the sacrifice various people make to make sure that those groups of people are covered so that their leaders don't have to burn themselves completely out and then the church wind up not making it. Folks, that's moving in the gifts of the Spirit. That's what it, that's what it looks like. Is, is we're not just seeing them here, although they, they will be here. But as I listened this morning, and you know, my, I try to listen well, but my listeners need healing too. And uh, I, was, I think I was telling Ellen the other day, I don't wear my hearing aids to church because it's hard to get all the stuff behind my ears, you know. By the time I get glasses and, and, a, and a microphone and hearing aids in there, I've got Dumbo ears hanging out here and nothing's wanting to hang on. So, but li listening around, I, I heard people singing in tongues. I heard people praying in tongues as we were praying about things. Bless my heart. Why? Because the Bible says, when I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. Yes. <laughs> it also says, when there is a message in tongues and interpretation, that the unbeliever recognizes the supernatural touch of God because it speaks to something in that unbeliever's heart. Messages in tongues interpret. Interpretation are great, but they're not meant to take the place of prophecy or the word of knowledge where, where we speak something that the church should know. It's to the unbeliever. 
You wonder, well, why don't we have tongues and interpretation? How many unbelievers have you brought? Oops. We're, we're yelling amen now, aren't we? So what I'm talking about this morning is living by spirit. Living by spirit. That we realize that, yes, it's wonderful to be here together. And I can't tell you how blessed I was yesterday seeing all of this work going on. I, I worked here about an hour and a half myself. And, and then um, some of the difficulties I'm having, anytime I'm in dust or, or uh, fumes of paint, I, I just can't be there long. And, and now there's part of me that condemned myself as I left because I was I brought up that what I could, how, how hard I could work and what I could produce was my value. And as I walked out of here, I began to think, that's not God. It's not God at all. What's God is those guys down there working and not even caring whether I'm there or not. That's what's God. And... On and on, the manifestation of walking by Spirit. People that come together and realize that we want this place to look decent. And it, it does cost money, and we have to do it incrementally, but we want it to look decent. We've got some, because none of us are wanting to get up 35, 40 feet in the air back here, we've got an homage crew coming in late in August that is going to paint all these eaves and get rid of some of the damage that the winter done to us this year. You know what? That's manifestation of spirit as well. Would they recognize it as that? I doubt it, but I don't care. It's the manifestation of the spirit because we're able to do those things and to, and to go forth with them. Now Romans, I'm going to read some scripture here. Romans 12, 6 through 8. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let each exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in serving, or if teaching in teaching, and he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Galatians 5.16, but I say, Paul's writing here, but I say walk by the Spirit, and you'll not carry out the desire of the flesh. Let me pause there a minute. Are you wondering why you're not being able to come overcome some fleshly manifestations? Let me ask you, did you walk with the Spirit, hearing the Spirit, as you walked into the situation that's in your life now? Are you trying to spiritualize something that is not spiritual at all? See, that's, that's where we get into trouble, because if you walk by the Spirit, you'll not carry out the desire of the flesh. In Galatians 5 and 25, if we're going to live by the Spirit, or if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Now, I have no problem with this church becoming large. It's just fine. If that's what God wants, that's fine. But that's not the goal. The goal is that you that come faithfully, when you leave here, you would realize that you're entering the mission field as you walk out these doors and that you're going to walk expressing the Spirit of God every day of your life. It matters how you live your life in front of your children. It matters how you live your life in front of your co-workers. It is an expression of the Spirit when a co-worker walks up to you and asks you to pray for them. 
Or when they walk up to you and you feel that you should pray for them and you ask them and they say yes. It's an expression of the Spirit. It's an expression of a Spirit. Not Holy Spirit, but a Spirit. When you get your head together with your co-workers and begin to talk badly about the job, about the boss, about, about life in general. That's not God. It's an expression of the spirit of this world. I just got a call this week about a young leader that um, I seen it coming and I, I, I warned him about it and talked to him about it. I've seen it coming. He submitted himself to the spirit of this world saying at some point, someday, I'll fulfill the call of God on my life. But right now, and I told him, man, that's dangerous because you're submitting to the spirit that you're, you're agreeing with. And he, he left his family now and he's out there. Probably now will never fulfill the call of God on his life. Which I also said to him directly, if you're not careful, you'll never fulfill it. Because he refused to walk by the Spirit. The Spirit would have said, I've got this work for you to do. And you don't have to be successful in the eyes of the world. If you'll lock into what I have for you to do, life will work in you and through you. But instead, responding to what this world says is success. And, and, and responding to the flattery and the, the compliments of the world, which are so fleeting, they, they, never, they never hold up. The same world that attracted you into the, into the life of the mess will mock you and talk about you when you live it and say, oh, I thought he was a Christian. Same people. Now, the words in the scripture that's translated gifts in the New Testament, we always we, it's almost always translated plural. But the original language is always singular. And I couldn't find any, I couldn't find any plural usage of what would have been translated gift. And it's, all, it's important because it's, 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 it's not been addressed. But here's the thing. When I have the Spirit, everything He has indwells me. I don't, have to, I don't have to manifest this gift of prophecy and then think, well, now I've got that one mastered. I can work on healing. No. He comes with all of his equipment when he indwells me. And he will teach me to walk in the fullness of all of them. But I've never been happy with the, with the translation of gifts. And those of you that have, have studied with me know that. Because it's really not what it says. But I really went back and worked on it this week so I could get something that would, that would work and that was really what it says. And it's this. The undeserved benefits of grace. The undeserved benefits of grace are these. The, and the, uh, over in the prophets, the prophet looked at this, at this time and, uh, of, the, of the Holy Spirit indwelling men, and he said, the Spirit of grace will empower you. Or will empower them, is what he said. Adjusted to us, the Spirit of grace will empower you. And so, when, 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 you are, when you're working with people... And you feel that surge in your spirit. That's an, that's an undeserved benefit of the grace within you. And God is doing that not just to bless you. Some people, when, when they feel the presence of the Spirit, they want to just get off to themselves and lock in somewhere and just cry and weep and sing. 
No, that surge is to benefit someone else. That surge is to go forth and to make a change in a world that is resisting change. It's the power of Almighty God surging in you. Undeserved, certainly. That's why they translated it gifts. But it's just a benefit of the grace that's within you or a manifestation of the grace within you, whichever you'd rather. But it's an ability from Father through the Holy Spirit to accomplish kingdom business. And sometimes that's just to overcome in your own life. Sometimes we, we, think, we think it's condemnation because we actually embrace in our mind and begin to contemplate and to tell ourselves why it's okay for us to live like this. And there's something surges inside of us. I'm telling you, that's an undeserved benefit of grace telling you, no, it's not okay. You can't follow that path because if you follow that path, you're going to affect your children. You're going to affect your grandchildren. You're going to affect your co-workers. And it happens in so many different ways. And we think, well, that's just condemnation and I don't live under condemnation. No, it's the Holy Spirit saying, come on, there's a more pure way to live. And by you insisting on living in purity, you don't have to say anything, but your life will have such a marked difference that people will begin to notice. And there's an existing power within you, an existing grace in the Holy Spirit to overcome those things. And it's the result of the promise of the Father having come upon you. Yes, I do believe that the baptism and the Holy Spirit in its final in its final manifestation where we begin to work with it. I believe it is a speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance because it's the overcoming of that unruly member where we finally submit the tongue to God. I believe that. But I certainly don't believe that's the only manifestation. I certainly don't believe that just because, just because we speak in tongues sometimes that we have the Spirit. No, when we really get it down, the Spirit has us. And that's a whole different thing. And God is giving you the ability to represent Father on earth. My goodness. His glory is beautiful, Trent. I mean, God would trust you to present Him to your world. And you do a good job, buddy. Sometimes with just a smile. But I'm telling you, his glory, His approval of you. So beautiful. Makes me want to fall on my knees in awe. And I know what I used to be. And the fact that He empowers me and causes people to see me in a different light. His glory is so beautiful. One of the guys in, in, that I was very close with growing up and I'm going to take care of this hopefully in late August, but his life was so rough, as was mine. And he came to me not long ago and said, you know, I don't want to get up front. They have a church with a water baptism up front. He said, I don't want to do that because I don't want to give people a chance to mock because most people around here know how I used to live. So he said, could we call some of the guys together and you baptize me? out in the pond, out in the country somewhere. And I'm thinking, man, His glory is so beautiful. That I had chances to, to, to lead Him astray and did that. But it's all different now because of His glory. His glory is so beautiful. You see, the presence of God within you 
And you're probably going to have to ponder this a little bit because it's a little scary. But it's the life of God living as you live. The life of God existing as you exist. The life of God in you, expressing through you, and taking on life around you as you allow that to happen. It's not bringing God to earth. He's here. But it's Him expressing Himself in the way that He chose to express Himself is through men. And now He asks us to go live a life confronting earth with His presence. Confronting earth with His power in human form. Not spending hours figuring out how we can build a bigger congregation and the compromises we have to make so that nobody will get mad at us. But us going forth and declaring, no, the king of this world does not rule. We have a king that died for us. And God wouldn't let him stay dead. He brought him forth from the grave. And we serve that king. We don't respond to the spirit of this world. And these are undeserved benefits, not just for our blessing, but for the blessing of everybody. And it's not just for doing stuff in the church. It's not just for having a manifestation in a prayer line or, or even a, a miraculous healing. It's not just for that, although those things will be part of it. I want you to think of this contradiction. The Bible says that there were so many miracles happening in Paul's ministry that people were coming and taking, if you look in the original, this is what it was, but they were taking a sweat rag that he tied around his head while he was making tents. People would come and ask for that, and he would give it to them, and they would take it and put it on their sick family, and they'd get well. But Paul mentioned very little in his writing about miracles. Why? Because it was so common that it didn't seem to be important. What seemed to be important was building the thought process that produced the life that lived in the miraculous. And that's different. I, not too long ago, I had somebody call me and said, hey, there's, there's a prophetic ministry down so-and-so, and you want to go and get a word? And I said, no, I don't. And why not? I said, man, I've already got so much of the Word of God hanging over me, I'd have to have three lifetimes to fulfill it. Well, it's all good. Let them do what they will. I don't want to go. Really? Yeah, really. I talked to him, you know. And I think if he gives somebody a word for me that it's really going to bless me. But in the meantime, he's got things to say that I need to pay more attention to that than I need to pay traveling hours just to get a word. Amen. You say, well, you're against all this big ministry stuff. No, I'm not. I've got some really good friends that run really big ministries. But all of them are trying to find ways to get it to the pew. All of them. Because God is shifting their hearts. I could name a ministry, I won't, just for various reasons, but I could name a ministry right now that has, has gotten up before his congregation and said, you know, I'm getting older and I realize, and he done like this, he said, I realize this is not what it was all about. And he began to talk about a personal representation of God on earth and talking about bemoaning his lack of relationships. Uh, as I mentioned last week, we've become very comfortable living in two distinct worlds, two very distinct worlds. 
And I illustrated it, I'll do it again, by a child. When a child goes to school, they can build whatever persona they want to build. They can, they can let people at school know who they are. And they can have their home, home life look any way they want it. Because they're separated. What goes wrong is when mom shows up at school. And now they've got to deal with, uh, yeah, that's my mom. <laughs> or when dad meets the teacher, that's even worse, in Walmart. Yeah. And she raises her eyebrows and says, oh, I know who you are. You're so, and you're, you're Jeremiah's mom. Yep, I'm proud of it. You should be. But your worlds collide. And we've done something like that in the church. We, we, we have this comfortable Monday through Saturday existence. Where if somebody says something directly against God, we'll take up for him and feel real good about that. Boy, I spoke up. I told him I believed in God. But... Maybe God wanted you to say, have you ever really experienced the presence of God? Maybe he wanted you to say something like that. And you know what? For most people, the reason I know is because I do this. For most people, the answer is not really. And I'll say, I'm going to pray for you. And I guarantee you, you're going to experience the presence of God. You know, he'll, he will meet you in more power out there than he will meet you in power here. Why? Because he wants his children out there to know that they're sons and daughters. They just haven't discovered it yet. And he wants them to know that he'll help them through life. And the only way he has to do it is through you. But we build this thing, and then when it comes to inviting people here, oh, we really want the church to behave. And we're a little bit afraid of manifestations because whatever will they think? That's why it's very interesting to me that Paul said the tongues with the interpretation is for the unbeliever. It's an expression of the supernatural for the unbeliever. Not to satisfy comfortable church people. But it's a confrontation to the unbeliever. And I could go on and on with that, but I won't. But the thing is, is we built two very distinct and different ways of life. But in the gift, in the manifest gifts of the Spirit in the house, all of a sudden reality confronts those that we bring a little bit. But when you get them manifesting out there, all of a sudden your life clashes with their life. And you become that person that goes to that church. But at least you've got an identity, and it's an identity in God. God intended that we didn't live so comfortably. Uh, we have become very okay with the world of organized religion. But God don't want it to be so organized. He wants it to have the organic feeling of life. And sometimes it won't look the same. You know, sometimes it has guys like, uh, like Caleb and I talking through the week about how are we going to do this? Because God's talking to him. And Caleb got this thought in the spirit about infirmity. And after Caleb talked to me, and then God started talking to me. And then neither one of us knew exactly what we were going to do with it. I went and talked to Betty this morning. There it was. This is what to do with it. 
See, it's living out from the Spirit, living by the Spirit, life by the Spirit. And Sunday should be a celebration of that. And man, God, you were so awesome this week. Well, my week wasn't so good. Come on now. You're upright, moving forward and taking nourishment. It's all pretty good. And even if you're not, God is good. And maybe there's a discovery about what it is for him to be a father that we need to get. Um, I am paying attention to time, in case you're wondering. Um, I want to say two things about responding to the Holy Spirit. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Is we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the surpassing greatness of the power may be of God and not from ourselves. I don't know how many of you were raised this way, but I was raised with my granny having a, a crock on the kitchen cabinet. It's about this tall, about this big around, and constantly putting water in that crock. And that crock was always wet on the outside. But that dipper, you dip in, and something about that the, the uh, water seeping through that porous crock made what was inside it so refreshing. And we all just love to get that tan dipper and drink out of that crock. Now, I know these days they'd say that's not healthy, but none of us died. We're all good. Well, I don't know if we're all good or not, but we, none of us died. And then I went down to Mexico, and, and they have these what they call ollas that are about this tall and this big around with no... Uh, they've been fired, but there's no slick enamel on the outside. And those things are really porous. But they never take that thing off of whatever counter it's sitting on. They never take it. It grows, it grows moss and green stuff all on the outside. But on the inside of that thing, it's fresh water. And it's really cool. Even in the extreme heat, it's fresh water. And they, they fill that thing up several times a day. And if you touch the outside, you get wet and slimy. But inside, it's fresh, pure water. We have this treasure, this glory in earthen vessels. And if we keep that flow going where we're receiving and giving out, receiving and giving out, anybody that touches us is going to get wet with the Holy Spirit. They're going to get touched by the Spirit of God. It doesn't have to be, oh, I'm going to pray in tongues over you. Come on now. Let's not talk about so much about this, 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 has, this has to happen. Let's hear God. <coughs> because His words are spirit and they're life. And let's talk to people about what it really looks like to live it out. Now, many people would say, well, I'm not sure. Well, get sure. If you can live it, you can teach it. Because God will take you back to the, the feeling, the responsiveness where you actually demonstrated Him on earth. He'll take you back and remind you of the circumstance and teach you how to walk in that, how to touch it and to move with it. He'll teach you. And if you can do it one time, you can learn it and teach it. Because that's kind of like, that's what He is. That's what He wants to do. He wants us to walk through this earth and He wants us to realize that there's a right now happening that He wants to happen. And if the rapture happens someday, that's all well and good. I'll make it. But if it don't, that's all well and good because I'm going to be demonstrating Him all my life. Because that's where the life is. His Word is Spirit and it's life. And that's not just reading the Bible. It's 
learning to hear him, learning to get his impression and his expression as he goes about doing things. That's the first thing. And the next thing is something that I want you to think of the scripture in, in Acts chapter 2 where it says, There came a sound of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house. Now, let's just stop there. It just filled all the house. A rush, a sound that filled the house. And think of when you respond to the Spirit of God. You know, the sound might be singing. The sound might be exhortation, as Sandra exhorted this morning. It might be getting something about healing like Polly got this morning. It might be just helping with the transition like Caleb did this morning. But all of that is a sound. And if you're living, if you're living in and out from the presence of God, you have impact with the sound. And sometimes it's the motion. But when they responded to what the Spirit was doing, it filled the house. So what I, want, what, I, what I want you to know is that when things start getting really uh, intense in here and the Spirit of God is so good, respond. Because it's like, it's like a garden hose. You, you just begin to spray it around. When you begin to respond, it begins to get on anybody that's close to you. And we got enough space in between the chairs here now that you're going to have to really let it go to get on somebody. But let it go. And see if it don't splash over and touch somebody else. I love to be standing where I stand a lot of times when, when Mary gets involved in worshiping because she's releasing something of the Spirit. I feel it. And I begin to think, thank you, Jesus. It's splashing over on me. And it's same with some of you I heard this morning talking in tongues. Now, that's kind of supernatural because I usually can't hear. But I heard people talking in tongues, and that blessed me because I'd just come away from Betty where she was talking about the blessing of God. That's living by the Spirit. And it's much more than just having a, Lord forgive me, I'm not making light, but it's much more than having a Shababa manifestation. It's about my life exuding and exhibiting the Spirit of God and just having a confidence they're going to have some reaction. Some will be angry. Some won't be angry. But there will always be a reaction when it's out from the Spirit of God. And that's what we need to learn. Now, I would like for you to leave this service thinking about how powerful some of this stuff really is. So I'm going to give you another, at least one more extreme illustration, maybe two. But there's, there was a time when we were on the reservation where the, the, uh, the, in this particular reservation, it was more the spiritist than the animist. But the representative of that is called the medicine man, and he had decided that, that he was going to destroy me personally and that he was going to shut the church down. Now, that kind of thing never has bothered me because I've always had a little bit of an attitude there, like, what's he going to do, make my eternity? You know, and come on, put me to face to face with Jesus for eternity? I, that'd be good. So I'm not worried about that kind of thing, but I knew God wasn't finished. But at one point, he had two representatives that he sent specifically to disrupt our services. And I don't know how they were going to do it, but it's not normal for me. But before the worship team even started, I took the platform and read out of Psalms 40, 140. And beginning with verse 8, this is what I read. Do not grant, O Lord, the desires of the wicked. Do not promote his evil device, lest they be exalted. 
As for the head of those who surround me, may the mischief, mischief of their lips cover them. May the burning coals fall upon them. May they be cast into fire, into deep pits, when they cannot rise, from which they cannot rise. When I read, may burning coals fall upon them, one of those ladies grabbed her head like this and screamed. The other one grabbed her ab abdomen and just, uh, and they ran for the back door. Now, we had some things like that happening quite often. So we had part of the usher's job was when somebody ran out like that, they'd follow them and just see if they could cast something out or, <laughs> or win them to Jesus or something. These ladies didn't want anything to do with it. They named the medicine man's name, said, we were sent by so-and-so to disrupt the service. And when he read that, is a burning came on our heads and it's like we were on fire in our abdomen. And, and they said, we don't want anything to do with this place. And they wouldn't talk to them anymore. They just left. So, out from the Spirit out from the Spirit. I, I had no clue. I didn't know they were sent for that. I didn't know why God had laid this scripture on my heart, but I just got up and read it. And boom, there it went. Now, all manifestations are not like that. Some manifestations will be much different from that. Some will be like spending some of our precious time helping to Remodel downstairs. Some of it will be like I, I appreciate so much the work Randy's done in the last few years of just, you know, he keeps this place looking good outside. And man, I appreciate that more than you know. And all of, all of our people, you know, our, our sound and, and, and overhead team and all of that, the, the media team, quietly going about doing what they can. And we don't say much about this, but we actually have, here in Little Kirksville, in Christ Family Church, we have our Sunday morning being watched in Australia, Africa, England, Sweden, and Canada, besides numerous places here in the United States. And some of them even getting on and asking questions back there. It's just God. It's, you know, but here it is, it's God plus relationships. Instead of focusing on making this church big, we focus on having relationships and loving people and, and people trying to be the best, do the best we can for people to love us. And guess what? It spread and it spread and it spread and it spread. God is much more concerned with how you spread His Spirit out there than He is how many people fill these seats. Would I, do I wish we were full? Kind of. But I know how much work that involves, too. And I'm getting old enough to be lazy. But <laughs> we're, we're trying to spread that out, too, and it's working. But the thing is, the important thing is, how are you expressing God to your world? How are you living by spirit? And do you really believe that your life is in spirit? If you do, you're going to grow and grow and mature and mature and inevitably People are going to come here because they're going to want to see what it is that helps to fuel what you have in you. And they'll find here a celebration of Him and a celebration of what He does through us through the week. And that's what's important. That's what's important. Father, thank You. God, I'm so grateful for Your glory on us. And Lord, it is beautiful that You would even approve of us and, and be willing to empower us to represent You.
Lord, I feel inadequate. But Paul said, my adequacy is in you. And that's what I believe, God, that I am inadequate for these things. But my adequacy is in you. And Lord, that's what we lean on. Teach us. Teach us the proper expression of the, uh, Lord, the manifestations of your presence that we haven't yet experienced. God, show us what it is to see a miracle in high V. Show us what it is to see a miracle in the hospital and in work. Lord, bless your people. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming.